in-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome in to another edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City, the Steelers. I'm sorry, let me fix that. The first place, Pittsburgh Steelers are on their bye week. He is Josh Taylor. I am Chris Matt. Greg Finley producing. And there was no Mike Tomlin press conference this week because of the bye week, but that doesn't stop us from having a Tuesday afternoon, early evening chat with you about where the Steelers stand right now. We will do. Is this a thing? Because we have not done it in a few weeks, and we owe it to you, the listeners, (laughs) to get you Is This a Thing? Uh, We'll also talk about some developments early this week over on the south side in regards to that first game coming out of the bye at SoFi in L.A. against the Rams. But before we get into everything, we humbly remind you that if you are watching Fourth Down in the Steel City on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, all you got to do click that little notification bell down over there. We're both pointing to it right now if you're already watching on YouTube. If not, go to YouTube, watch there. You can do that or you can listen. Uh, obviously, Inside your Odyssey app. It's free. Download it today. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Or however you get your podcasts. SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. It's everywhere. Be sure to subscribe and or follow the podcast to get notified as soon as new episodes are available, including this one. So, Josh, no Mike Tomlin this week, but on Tuesday, it was open locker room and defensive coaches on the field following practice. Wednesday will be offensive coaches on the field following practice which will or excuse me if there's a practice following practice if not it'll probably just be uh an open availability with offensive coaches either way offensive coaches probably a little more interesting and something we can kick around maybe later in the week defensive coaches to be quite honest not as interesting a discussion there Usually it isn't. Yeah, I mean, look, we, 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 we know where people have questions on this team, yeah. and it's on the offensive side of the ball, and that's what happened when the locker room opened up. Uh, we went in, we talked to Kenny Pickett, and we talked to Deontay Johnson. Kenny Pickett, you're pretty standard midweek fare from him, talking about, you know, continuing to grow, improvements that need to be made. Uh, Deontay Johnson being asked, are you going to be available for the Rams game, Deontay? And barely letting our own Jeff Hathorne of 93.7 The Fan get the question out before clipping it with, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to be ready. Yes. That's all I was missing was the Stone Cold. <laughs> Doing the Stone Cold. Stone Cold confirmation. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, he did not smash together a couple of Coors Lights and chug them. But Although we just, wouldn't have been mad at him if he had. Not at all. No. Because I'm sure there's some people in. that are reacting the same way after hearing that. <laughs> So Deontay Johnson is going to be back. One very easy way for the Steelers to improve during the bye week, get a weapon back, a dependable, well, dependable in that he's open, dependable in holding on to the ball is a different story from time to time with Deontay Johnson. But nobody gets open better on this team than Deontay Johnson. So there's step one. As we ask the question, how can the Steelers improve during the bye week? Step one is... Get Deontay Johnson back and have him provide that outlet that Kenny Pickett really over the last three or four weeks has looked like he has been in desperate need of at times. Agreed. It, it's it's interesting. We, we talk so much about George Pickens and what he can do and what they should do with him and how he could be useful. 
But the one thing we never really, we, it's almost like we never complete the thought in how he could be complimented. Yeah. And him being complimented is just as important as how you use him because how he's complimented usually dictates how you might use him. And now they've, they've done it to where they've used him in short, short yard situations. They used him on shorter routes coming across the middle or slant routes or things of that nature. And they've, they've had a couple plays off of it, but. The thing that makes it a lot more complex is when you have somebody who can compliment him on the other side of the field, namely a Deontay Johnson, who can make plays in short yardage, who can make plays in intermediate, where honestly, intermediate routes, I feel like those are his bread and butter. I yeah. feel like he gets a lot of his usage out of running those intermediate, those those hook routes, those hitches, those dig routes, where he could just use that 8 to 10 yards of, of, of space and turn it into more. That is assuming, you know, he runs the right route and he doesn't have to, you know, recenter himself to get moving forward again. But if right. there's anybody on this roster that can do that, it's him. So if you have him as a compliment to George Pickens, who who we know can make plays down the field, who we know can make plays on back shoulder throws, mm-hmm. now you're making the defense respect the entire field from sideline to sideline. You now have to respect the width of the field and it opens up opportunities, maybe some pockets of space between the hash marks. That's why it's important. Yeah, it gives you an opportunity to run more combo routes where yes. you can count on both yes. guys in the combination coming available, uh, possibly giving your quarterback an opportunity to read low to high instead of always reading high to low, which can be difficult in progressions. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think, again, the dependability as far as always holding onto the ball can be a question mark depending on what kind of what kind of rut Deontay Johnson may be in. We've seen him get into the doldrums where he's got to stop and almost be unplugged uh, to a certain extent before he gets back on it and starts dependably catching the football again. But running routes, no question. When that guy's out there in the pattern, it's going to give Kenny Pickett. The the feet aren't going to be as happy, I think. You know, the progression is going to be read more cleanly. Um, It it does. It just lends itself. And the ball might come out quicker, too. Yes, it lends itself to hopefully a little more rhythm in the passing game. Yes. And if that's the case, then I'm all for it. Get Deontay Johnson back out there as soon as possible. And again, he said he will be out there. There wasn't a, well, I might be out there. There wasn't a, well, we're going to test it out on Monday. No, it's he's going to be out there and get there was no. There was no, we'll let participation be our guide. No, no. There none of that. His, participa- his participation is the guide. Like, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. And and, and he was asked uh, if he was 100%. He said more than 100%. So Deontay Johnson is, I don't know, I more than 100% is technically is impossible. Well, hmm. <laughs> Wrong segment, but I have to ask the question. I, here, here's what I'll say. Depending on, you guys know how I am with caffeine. Depending on caffeine intake, you can feel like you're more than 100%. You might not actually be more than 100%, but you can feel like it, right? I'll buy that theory. I will yeah. buy that theory. As a, as a firm proponent of Cafe Bustello, I will buy that theory. <laughs> you, you, you brought me on your side. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. It's, it's a valid thought, I think. So Deontay Johnson coming back is one way the Steelers can improve during the bye week. I also think, at least for my money, Josh, and we've talked about this, it's why, you know, full disclosure, we're recording this between the availability of the defensive coaches and the offensive coaches. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really curious to talk to Pat Meyer on Wednesday and ask him about the blocking schemes up front in the run game. We've seen yes. this team 
when they commit to quick trap blocks on the inside, really open things up. When they recommit to the left side, now that it's Broderick Jones and potentially Darnell Washington, they're going to open some holes. Um, Recommit to the run game and the inside trap game. And I think that's going to help both backs, not just Najee, but both backs find a whole lot more room in the run game, which is, again, as we've alluded to since the preseason, is going to provide a much more balanced offense for Kenny Pickett to work from, which means he's not running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I would also say that just you recommit to the run game and just seeing the results in the zone blocking part of it all. I thought that looked a lot better against Baltimore, particularly on the left side of the line. When you saw Broderick Mm -hmm. Jones and Darnell Washington together, it worked quite a bit. There were times during this game where I pulled the Leo DiCaprio where I'm, I'm snapping and pointing at the TV and whistling because I see, I see between Jones and Washington, I see a hole open up on that left side and I see Najee Harris go through it. And a couple of times they got him five or six yards. And mm-hmm. some people say, well, it's only five or six yards. Folks, five or six yard chunks in a run. That's what you want. That's yeah. exactly what you I'll, want. Because I'll take a guy with a five and a half yard average every day. Because all it's going to take after that is if he beats a guy beyond that five to six, now five to six becomes 15. It becomes 20 mm-hmm. or God forbid it becomes a touchdown at the other end of it. But that's exactly what you want. You want open holes for your running backs to run through. And another thing I will say we noticed as far as the offensive line, we saw Kenny Pickett have a lot more time to step, sit back, process, and throw the football. There were a yeah. couple specific plays where I thought, he himself didn't pick it up. I thought the author, Arthur Mollett sack, I think that's something as a quarterback you have to see on the line of scrimmage and identify and be ready for. But I also thought he made up for it in the second half on the George Pickens touchdown. Mm-hmm. He saw where they were aligned. He called the protection, had him slid to the right side. Jalen Warren, knowing the line was sliding this way, he went and picked up the backside. Kenny got the throw off to George Pickens. The rest is history. I thought they did that part right. So the protection aspect of it, I think, is a lot better, too. If it was just the act of putting Broderick Jones in and having Darnell Washington there, I'm not going to complain with that, and I'm going to ask you for more. I'm going to be Oliver Twist with the ball out saying, please, sir, please. <laughs> May I have another? Want, that, that's what you want to see. You want to yeah. see that offensive line opening up holes in the run game and protecting your quarterback in the pass game because guess what that does, folks? It creates more successful plays and probably takes the heat off your offensive coordinator if enough blocking actually develops and gives the quarterback or running back time and space to operate. Esteemed producer Greg Finley, I notice, has popped his head in between the two of us, which means he's got some sort of suggestion about how the Steelers can improve during the bye week, Greg. It just feels like the way that the offense moves more efficiently is whenever Jalen Warren is on the field. I'd like to all I would like to see them at least use him more than they have been. I mean, they just get a spark whenever this guy comes on the field. And it seemed like the offense was clicking a lot more in the fourth quarter against Baltimore when he was out there instead of Najee. Well, I, I, I think, love what he does in the pass game. I yes. love what he does. I love what he does. And let's pick up because we talked about that earlier in the season, how there's some issues there. It looks like he has cleaned those up. He's gotten really good with blitz pickup. He does really well catching out of the backfield. He's a really good uh, check down option for Kenny Pickett because they can drop it off to him. He can make a guy miss. He can break a tackle and keep his legs moving and maybe turn a three or four yard gain into eight or nine, or even then some with the he play. Can he hurdle a dude. Half. He and he can actually he can make tacklers miss in the in the backfield. There are so many different things he presents 
as that kind of option. I, that was in the run game, but particularly, particularly in the pass game as a third down back, I think he has a ton of value. I don't want to oversimplify it. And I'm not sure what the up-to-date snap counts are. I know it's a lot closer to like 58-42, I think, between the mm-hmm. two of them. So it's not necessarily as far off as as it may feel like at times. Um, but it, it it is oversimplifying it to say it. But look, he's what, three, four inches? Maybe not three or four inches. Two and a half, three inches shorter than Najee Harris. Like Jalen Warren is not a big dude. And again, Dudes in the NFL these days are not necessarily the best tacklers, especially once you no. get to the second level. No. And how many guys do you see fail to break down and actually try to get their arms around a runner? Um, and so that's why I think he's so effective. Once he hits that second level, he just turns into a bowling ball. And yeah. he's 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 busting arm tackles. Guys are trying to say, bring him down. I was going to say, even when guys do wrap him up, he just keeps his leg moving. legs moving. He just drives through. Like, so he's again, hard to bring down either way. It's it's an oversimplification of physics, but as stupid as it sounds, it's easier to get under Najee. Like Little it's man a wins. lot. Yeah, it's a lot harder to get under Jalen Warren. So, it, it I'm not trying to make excuses for Najee when he doesn't necessarily break tackles on the second level. He's capable of it. Um, but Jalen Warren is just you're right, Craig. He he's it's that little that little spark. Um, the other thing I think all three of us may agree on. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong. Real quick, it's 63-34 Najee in carries. Okay, okay. So, yeah, a little bit better than 60. 63-44. Okay, I'll, t- I'll take that. Um, it, it's, it, I mean, it's close to a 60-40 split, which I'm fine with. And if you're if you're inserting those pass reps where you're putting Jalen Warren in there, I think it evens out. I'm okay yeah, with that. Yeah. Um, the other thing we have to see, have to see starting week six in L.A. Or, sorry, week seven in L.A., game six in L.A., is it's time. It's time for PZ Jr. Yes. It's time. It's, yes. it, it's, uh, he, he, see, he picks off what ends up being the game ceiling touchdown, or at least gives you the opportunity to go down there and get the go ahead score. Uh, the guy has given up a quarterback rating on routes run in his direction of, <laughs> are, are, are you ready, Marmalade? 0.0. So look. They, they put him on Devontae Adams on Sunday Night Football, and he didn't get burned by him. Like, yeah, true. They, I mean, they let him cover the top-tier receiver on that team, and he didn't get burned. Like, he's ready. Let I him mean, play. Let, let's let's use the logic that, I, that I'm, I'm suspecting that the coaching staff was using all along. I think the logic they were trying to use is they were trying to bring him along slowly to just give him small – situations to see what he can do okay let's give you this do you do well with this fine and let's give you this so they were going to bring him just you know in a, in a progressive manner just to see how well he handled each opportunity in front of him then you had the opportunity of all opportunities placed in front of you third down in the red zone in a game where you cannot afford to give up a touchdown up against a division rival and arguably your biggest game to date of the season and you are matched up against up until maybe a couple years ago one of the best receivers in the league before injuries, there wasn't anybody better to know Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. So now you got to match up up against that guy in that kind of situation. That is as ultimate of a test as you are going to get. And this is after they started rotating you in with the other top two guys during the course of the second half. Now you're into the latter part of the game where you can't afford to make a mistake. 
and he passes that test by not only giving up a touchdown to Odell Beckham, he gets a, he gets an interception, takes the ball off of him, and wipes a potential three points off the board. So that's a huge swing, and it eventually leads to the game-winning touchdown. That was the play of the game in my estimation. He has passed every test you could throw at him. Put him out there now and let him sink or swim. It's too late. Yeah. I'll just say it's too late to keep trying to be progressive about it. No, he's done everything you need him to do. He's proven himself. Didn't, Put him out didn't, there. Didn't, didn't we anticipate this, though? Didn't we? We did. We, we, we anticipated did. with Joey Porter Jr., with Broderick Jones, with a whole bunch of the young guys, Benton even, we yep. anticipated that they were going to slow play it like the Steelers do. You've got to earn your job, son. What? No, some guys which, just. Which which had, which had was which was the mantra in the past, and it worked so well, and it got us to Jason Giltons and the Joey Porters and the James Harrisons of the world. This is true. Right, like but with some guys end. at some positions, you have the luxury of allowing that to play itself out. Right, you had you had a guy in place in the in the present that made it easier for that transition into the future. I agree. And and then in other spots, you can see right away. You know, it's like when Marquise Pouncey walked in and won the starting center's job like you three knew. days into his first training camp. You just you knew. yeah, you knew. It, it, and the same thing, you know, with with yeah. Peasy Junior. Now you know, and you know with, with Roger Jones. Exactly. You know, you with do. Broderick Jones, you, you you know, with Darnell Washington, at least if you believe the tight ends should be able to block. You definitely um, know it with Darnell Washington. You know that all those guys should be on the field more often than they are not in in both Washington's case and Porter's case and probably should be out there every single snap in Jones's case. So all that said, those are just some of the ways. Trust the young guys, maybe trust your inside blocking and trust your run game a little bit more. And what well, else trust we in there. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this is what you got, right? Like, yeah. you can either choose to trust it or you can continue to call games and play games scared, as I think the coaching staff has done more often than not. Hey, look, 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 look living in their fears, Chris. Is that what you're talking about? A little bit. I mean, they've, they're not quite living there, but they've got a place at the beach called In Their Fears. And they go there in the off season and like one long week in the summer. So they don't live there, but they got a nice place that they're happy to rent out to other people. And they go on occasion. I am now going like to Airbnb and looking for listings living that specifically in say in their fears. I'm looking forward as soon as we get off of this, this, uh, this show. That's <laughs> what I'm we, doing. When we come back uh, second half of today's episode of fourth down in the steel city, we haven't played it in, I don't know, since week one, maybe it's been a couple it's of time for another rousing edition of is this a thing that's next on fourth down in the steel city in-depth conversations matchup breakdown everything a steelers fan could want this is fourth down in the steel city with chris mack and josh taylor and welcome back into fourth down in the steel city alongside josh taylor and producer greg finley i'm chris mack and you are locked in. Don't forget to follow and subscribe however you get your podcasts, including in your Odyssey app. And, of course, you can watch on YouTube, where today, if you read that 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 little uh, thing over, it's, it's over that way, actually, over that way, right below Josh and, and Greg. Today we play Is This a Thing? Where each of us will ask about a certain thing that perhaps we've heard about or people are talking about and ask the other two, is this a thing? So, Greg, I let you start us, friend. 
I let you start us with, is this a thing today? What have you got for us? Okay, so yeah, uh, Mark Caballi came out this past week and said that Byron Leftwich reached out to the Steelers about a possible opportunity with the offensive coordinator position, and the Steelers kind of poo-pooed it and said, new phone, who dis? And they kind of just ignored him. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's just been talks now or speculation. If Matt Canada were to get let go at the end of the season, would Byron Leftwich be a good replacement or a possible replacement for next season? So I ask, is this a thing? I mean, it's a strong, he's a possibility. He's worth talking to, right? He's familiar yes, with exactly. your organization. Uh, the man's got a Super Bowl ring as an offensive play caller, right? So people are going to stand there and say, yeah, but what'd he do without Brady? Okay, that, <laughs> what's Bill Belichick done without Tom Brady? I mean, Tom Brady's an X factor that hasn't existed in any sport, really, especially in the NFL, in the last quarter century. So I don't know how fair it is necessarily although I'll still use it as a caveat in the case of Josh McDaniels and Bill O'Brien to say, what has he done without Brady? Um, Fair assessment. I, some, people, some people would also tell you, what has Josh McDaniels done without cheating? But that's a different discussion. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. What has Andy Reid done without Mahomes? Like, uh, he did all right with Donovan McNabb. He, he um, did okay with McNabb. He yeah. did okay. So here's the thing. I would certainly talk to him. Now, I am also willing to honestly – acknowledge that the Steelers aren't doing anything about this during the season. Like we talked about yes. a couple weeks ago, they won't do anything about this until mid January mm -hmm. when the time comes to renew Matt Canada's contract. And they don't because they've set this all up from the beginning. I mean, they've, this thing has been in place since the day Todd Haley left. Really? We went over that a couple weeks ago that, well, this guy will be the guy. And then maybe we'll bring in this guy to transition to him at some point. And that, mm -hmm. that's all this has been the whole time has been a big cluster of meh. M-E-H, meh. It, and the only way they get out of that is to finally actually step out of the mold of just promoting from within. And that's what Leftwich would be. It would be going outside the organization, even though he does know the organization from his time here. It would be going outside the typical, uh, the same old list that the Steelers always go through. So I don't have a problem with entertaining the idea. Absolutely not. I think it should be a thing. There, there's two things I look at with this. Number one, and th this is something that was confirmed by, by the last guy who played quarterback for this team himself. Even he said it, that he wouldn't he wouldn't fire Matt Canada now during the season. And it was put out in a tweet, and a bunch of people got really upset to the point where I felt like I was on um, on the wedding singers. Like, Robbie, you might want to get out of here. They're starting to turn on George. because <laughs> People are turning on Ben already for, for saying that he wouldn't fire Matt Canada now. He said, look, you're five games into the season. You're in the bye week. You're in first place. You don't want to try to switch things up that drastically right now. And I kind of understand that sentiment. And, and and people tend to say, oh, well, the Steelers just won't do that because it's the Steelers. A lot of teams would not do that. And we people like to point to Baltimore as the, the example. Well, they fired their offensive coordinator midseason. Yeah, they also had Jim Caldwell as his replacement. They had a guy who had already won a Super Bowl as a coach and the guy who revamped Peyton Manning's entire career as a quarterback. As the replacement. I, I will say this. The Steelers do have a guy, and I don't think he was crucial to Eli's necessarily winning two Super Bowls, but he was there. He was there for it. Sully was there for some <laughs> crucial Eli Manning time in New York. Now, was he anything more than a clipboard caddy? I don't know. But I will what? say 
he was calling plays for a time for Eli in New York. Yeah, but Eli's right. a Loki variant, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I was I was going to ask the question: Was he the Mobius to the with the Loki variant that is Eli Manning? Yeah, because if he was just Mobius, <laughs> Loki just dropped a week ago. Okay, <laughs> people who old, probably aren't going to catch that reference, but it, your your point stands valid, Chris. Like the the point stands as valid with Mike Sullivan as it does with Byron Leftwich, whether people want to acknowledge it or not. And that's mm-hmm. the next thing I'm going with this because. I could see it being a thing just for him having some level of involvement next season, even if they don't hire him as the offensive coordinator, because we still live in a world where they could probably bring Matt Canada back for like one more year just to troll everybody. But then they hire Byron Leftwich as an offensive assistant <laughs> to help with the game planning. And then somewhere along the line, it's like, okay, Byron Leftwich is going to be the guy. Because that's it, You're right. That's exactly what they do. It's the it, same thing they did with Canada and Feekner. It's the same thing. Where I'm going it's with the this. same thing they did with Austin replacing Butler. Like this is and they did it with Butler with LeBeau. Yeah. There, I, I, there's a reason why. There's a reason why after the what the 2020 season? I told Greg specifically, you know what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be Austin and Canada. They're gonna be the coordinators on this team. I called it a year out that it was gonna happen. Because they're that Greg predictable. Because yeah. it was that predictable, because it's what they do. Everything they tend to do, especially on that side of it. It has a pattern and they follow it. And when they follow that pattern, people have the nerve, the unmitigated goal to be surprised. And then we're like, oh, the Steelers are so predictable. Yet you get surprised when they do the predictable thing. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're the one that fell for it. You fell for the yoki doke not them. Be, you more, did. be more surprised when they finally step out of character. Right. And when they do the thing that you don't expect them to do, then call me with the shocked face. Because yeah. at this point, they, they pretty much telegraph how they're going to do. And, and yeah, it's almost like mo- thinking two moves ahead in chess. It's kind of what it is. And some people won't use, use the chess argument, but something they don't like. But that's pretty much what it is. They, they use this slow progression, whether we like it or not, that's how they operate. So will I say he could be the next offensive coordinator? I think it's a distinct possibility, but at the very least, I can see him having some level of involvement with this staff next season. I think that's yeah. a thing. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about this, and we'll move on because I didn't I didn't get to get my opinion on it. But I, I just think that Leftwich is like, here's my resume. Call me if you want me at the end of the season type thing. Yeah. Like I don't and this think, is that time of year to do that. Because I don't think that he's trying to get a job right now. And he's like, I want to take over Matt Canada's job right now. I think he's saying, look, I see what's going on in Pittsburgh. People are calling for this guy's head and his contract's up at the end of the year. Like, He's Here's being my opportunistic. Re- I can't yeah. blame him. Here's my resume. Call me if you need me. And I think Greg's, that's all there is to it. Greg's got a good point because what the, the thing we don't always look at because you can't see it on the surface, this is that time of year in college football, boys, where search firms are reaching out to other coaches that might be doing somewhat well in their jobs, an offensive coordinator that's off to a hot start, a head coach that might be looking to to peek his head out of the door. Hello, oh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. How are you? Uh, Manny Diaz has probably got three phones right. going right now. There's, 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 there's people hiring search firms. You know, we don't want the athletic department to come clean, but there's people hiring search firms looking for coaches that might be interested in next year. This is when they start greasing those wheels and greasing those skids to make those moves. So it's not out of character. It is really not out of the ordinary for Byron Leopards to try to do the same thing right now. Can't blame them. All right, Josh. Is this a thing? What have you got for us? <laughs> oh, the pivotal point of, of the game on offense against Baltimore. The the vaunted touchdown catch plus no sell 
from <laughs> Matt Canada. And the the narrative has become that Matt Canada did not call the play, therefore he had no reaction because it had nothing to do with him. And it has been I, – I haven't seen it anywhere else, but I'm going to give Derek Bell from Steelers Now mm-hmm. the credit for this. I think he was I, he was the first person that I saw call this audible gate. Yeah. And I love it just because it's so damn messy. So, yes, audible gate. Kenny Pickett and outsmarting Matt Canada to a giant no-sell after a go-ahead touchdown in a division rivalry game to put them in first place. Is this a thing? So I'm going to go 50-50. I will say the audible or check or hot read or whatever it was is a thing because Kenny was asked about it by Mike DeFabo this afternoon. And basically, DeFabo did a roundabout thing of asking the question because I don't think he wanted to be obvious about it. He was trying to be messy without being messy. Yeah, and I kind of wish, I kind of wanted, I love Mike, but I kind of wanted, I just wanted to turn around and be like, Mike, just just ask him if he called the play. Just just be messy. Um, That's your job to be messy. Kenny kind of answered it by saying, well, yeah, this is what I was looking for on the play. He didn't come out and say, I called the audible, but he kind if you read between the lines, he checked into something at the line based off the coverage that they saw. Mm. And it, it, I mean, look, Pickett or Pickett Pickens was one-on-one with Humphrey. We, we, we well know that anytime George Pickens is in single coverage on the outside, especially in that moment, Kenny's going to try to go to him, or at least that has to be his first read George one-on-one. Um, so he actually did what we've called for what we all scream and yell and pray for. And he saw Pickens one-on-one on the outside, even against a quality corner like Marlon Humphrey, and went after it and got it, and it hit. So I will say that part, that part, that's a thing. Matt Canada no-selling, I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> I think Matt Canada, to, can I be real honest? Like, yes. I hate to play armchair psychologist on someone that I don't know that well, who maybe I've been a part of a group interview scrum a few times and watches reactions during games, and that's about it. Yeah. I think Matt Canada is just really socially awkward. Like, I think that's it. Like, Would he be the first coach that was socially awkward? No. Would, Would he, he be, be the first coach in Pittsburgh that was socially awkward? No. Would he be Would the he first... be the only coach in Pittsburgh right now that's socially awkward? <laughs> you mean, be keep honest. going. Keep going. Be honest. Uh, so, <laughs> Would no. he be the only coach in Pittsburgh working on the south side that's socially awkward? <laughs> <laughs> Would he be the first person in sports media uh, or sports in Pittsburgh who's right. totally unaware of how to act in social situations? Exactly. No. And I think Matt Canada has that problem sometimes. Like the way he answers questions sometimes during those media scrums midweek, sometimes you get the sense that he just wants to tell everybody to off and get the hell out of his face. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, I feel the same way if I thought every question was going to be, hey, why do you suck at your job so much? <laughs> hey, uh, how come you haven't crawled into a hole to die? Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, we're in a DX shop, everybody, too. Exactly. So, and then at other times, you get the sense that he's trying to be nice, but it comes off really weird. Uh, anyway, yeah. my point is this I think Matt Canada's just real. Matt Canada's in a tough spot where he's like the most hated man in the city. And he's also kind of socially awkward and not good at handling it. So in that instance, I don't think it's, that's all I think it is, is Matt Canada is somewhat aware that there's this little camera over here off to the side because they got monitors in the booth. They can see what's being shown 10 seconds after it's shown. 
And so he knows he's being watched throughout the game. He knows there's quite literally a, a microscope on him. And he doesn't want to overreact. He's been made fun of for doing that before. When a play hit, he overreacted and people make fun of him for it. Thank he doesn't want to he doesn't want to underreact, but he he did in this case. So I think I just think Matt Canada, armchair psychologist in me says Matt Canada's kind of weird and Matt Canada's over overly aware of every single of his one of his actions being parsed and pulled apart at this point i have a really weird theory okay well first of all the the audibling part i mean kenny pickett said on sunday the plan was to go to george on that play yeah, so he said they were prepared throughout the week for that. For even cover zero. even exactly. if they did audible, the plan was still fly route George Pickens because he had one on one with Humphrey, right. which is what you should prepare whether, for anyway. Wh- if you even if you're semi competent, yeah. right? Whether it's called in the huddle or called at the line, either way, yeah, you right. guys are right. But I that think, preparation during the week should reflect on the offensive coordinator, and he should get credit credit for such things. So yes. stop trying to dance around it, people. He had a hand in it. Stop. I'm not. Okay. I'm not sure though if, if I'm going to be right on this or not. But this is just my theory. I think Canada had that reaction because he wanted Pickens to go down and they'd run the clock out and they'd kick a field goal and win the game and not give oh. the ball back to Baltimore. That is a That's a theory. Yeah. <laughs> That's huh. Is that a thing? Huh. <laughs> because well, I had you've... people texting me that were like, why didn't he just go down? I'm like, because this team needed a touchdown. Like, they, they needed did. a touchdown. They did. So, and, and honestly, in scoring the touchdown and it, it being having a four-point lead or a potentially a four-point lead or that could have been five-point lead is way better than just having a one-point lead. So, yeah, yeah. I, they needed the touchdown. I agree. Yeah. They didn't make, up, need to make this game any crazier than it already no. was. No. That brings up a good question to ask, for me to ask Canada, though, tomorrow. Um yeah. Matt, would you have preferred that Pickens went down instead of going in to score the touchdown so you could run the clock out and kick a field goal to win? So, Somebody asked the guy down in Miami that, down that question. Too. If he shuts that down immediately, I'm way off. <laughs> oh, oh, if he shuts it down immediately, I'm just going to blame it on you. Okay, um, okay cool. Interpret so, producer Greg came up with that one. <laughs> Matt, Matt, I'm really stupid. I'm like you. Everybody <laughs> hates me. Uh, so my producer funnels me questions. Um can you, I want to no. ask you this before I go eat worms. Just, you know. <laughs> Want some? I, I, I All right. So is this a thing? I have a question for you two. Is Kenny Pickett really clutch in the fourth quarter? Ooh. He can be. A couple of times we have seen him do it on a drive. Not the yeah, entire quarter. Moments. We yeah. have seen him do it on a drive. So I'm going to say no but there's a little bit more to it that he's clutch on a drive in the fourth quarter, but the entire uh-huh. quarter itself. No. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat because I'm trying to think back. If I'm thinking about specific games, there's two chances against Baltimore. Now where he's come through. Yep. There's the Raiders game last year where he came through. Yeah. So indie you game. say the indie game where he came through. So am I saying the entire fourth quarter? No. But am I saying opportunities with the game on the line for him to make a play? Mm-hmm. I'll say yes to that. I'll say I'll, – I'll go with – I'll do this again. I'm going to go to the Clint Hurdle, the Clint Hurdle idiom. He has the slow heartbeat Yeah. when he needs to have a slow heartbeat because you will see him for three and a half quarters kind of look average at best. But they don't come down to that one drive of the game where they need him to come through, and he just ends up looking like – you know, an all completely different quarterback. 
However, and this is going to make some people mad, but I'm going to harken back about, oh, nearly 20 years ago when there was a guy in the early part of his career that did a lot of the same things. Mm -hmm. For that first three quarters, probably he was, you know, average at best, pretty solid, didn't do a lot of things. He didn't make a lot of mistakes, but he didn't he didn't really, you know, jump off the page. But then the fourth quarter come around, do a couple of things. He's in the game, go in and win it, and he would do it. And he built a reputation off of it throughout the course of his career where he became pretty much just that he was that guy who had that clutch gene. So will I say that he's clutch in the fourth quarter particularly? No, but if his team keeps him in it and he knows he goes out and has one shot to win, he does okay. what he needs to. So you made the comparison, Josh, and it's a good one, to early Ben. Right? Early Ben. Not not peak no. like, to, no, to no, like no. late two odds Ben. 0405-06 Ben. Yes. And and I think that's a it's a good comp of sorts. And when I saw this originally brought up, it was actually you know, one of Andrew Filipponi's absurd tweets that he does just to get reaction. And I love oh them. Um, it was something about <laughs> Ben's career quarterback rating against the Ravens and Kenny's quarterback rating this Sunday. And he compared the two and look, it's apples and oranges. And so I think I just responded by taking the Lord's name in vain. Sorry, but I was frustrated. And it, it's, that happens it's a, a lot. It happens with pony tweets. Yeah. Anyway, so that being said, it got me to thinking, well, what are Kenny's fourth quarter numbers? Like, you know, to your point, we know that he has had these drives, the indie mm-hmm. drive where Benny Snell scored the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he made the two point throw to George Pickens. Great Benny throw Snell. on the run in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. Benny Snell feels like eight years ago now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he doesn't even, I don't think he's even playing anywhere. Um, <laughs> he's, like a lifetime. he's got Vegas on Christmas Eve. He's got Baltimore the week after that, and now Baltimore this year. So he's got yep. four game-winning, come-from-behind, fourth-quarter touchdown drives. In those drives, he's really, really good. 21 of 28, 252 yards, three touchdowns, a 137.8 QB rating on those four drives. Unfortunately, games are not, and fourth quarters are not, just those drives so if you strip those four drives away Pickett's fourth quarter numbers are fairly atrocious a 59.8 completion percentage 783 yards on 122 attempts zero touchdowns and six interceptions that is a quarterback rating of 58.2 now, the Jets game comes to mind with that particular stat. The Dolphins game comes to, the mind. Game comes to mind. You saw I'll where be, I was going with this. I'll be fair. I'm cherry picking, okay? I'll be honest. I am cherry picking. But I guess my point remains that if you're going to be a clutch fourth quarter quarterback, first of all, it's got to be more than four comebacks. Neil O'Donnell had six in one year, for God's sake. Oh, and people God. in this town still bury him because – he threw two untimely interceptions in the final game that season, right? Well, being so, paid off by the mafia will do that to you, Chris. <laughs> I love that. People theory. still believe that. I love the it. The same people who believe Audible Gate I'm believe just, that story. I'm just too. saying, I got a cousin in Bloomfield. He knew Henry Hill from the Goodfellas movies and the whole BC point shaving scandal. Anyway, O'Donnell, Irish Catholic, Henry Hill, Irish Catholic. Put the two and two oh, together. You see where I'm going with it. Anyway. Me and my cousin. No, so seriously. (laughs) That discussion happened. Oh, guaranteed it's happened. Multiple times. 
on, on, oh, a, on a on a bar stool at Silky's on Liberty Avenue. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't heard it on our radio airwaves yet. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, they were, it was happening at the time. That was what 30 years ago. It was going down. It was probably happening on Thoratolo. Yeah. Oh, wow. I went there. Yeah, I went there. Totally went there. Bill Bill Cowher's ears are burning right now because you mentioned Thor Tolo. <laughs> Bill Cowher's ready to punch something right now and he doesn't know why because somebody uttered Thor Tolo's name in another oh dimension. Anyway, I'll say it two more times or he'll show up. That's some that's some uh, a bunch of references there for some old heads. Sorry, um, we're showing our educate, Chris. We are. Uh, so here's the thing: like four four nice drives, right? And each of them served to win those games. I like Fair. them. I'm not Fair. complaining about them. I'd rather see those than no fourth quarter come from behind drives. I just, need, I just need to see a little bit more. I got to flesh it out in the second half. I got to see him come in with one of those drives right out of the gate in the first quarter. If the only time we're getting those performances out of Kenny Pickett are when it's absolutely down to the wire, that's a problem because sometimes you're not going to get them. Sometimes it's going to be your defense that has to win it for you in Cleveland when, which by the way, that Cleveland game that they, that they won 26-22 in week two, guess how many completions Kenny Pickett had in that fourth quarter? Bupkis, zero. <laughs> so, look, he is not all magic in the fourth quarter. He's not shooting rainbows and unicorns out of his butt in the fourth quarter all the time. Sometimes he's failing just as miserably as he has in the first three and a half quarters. And to your That's, point, if you do something along those lines in the first three and a half quarters – Perhaps you don't have to do it at the end of the game. Yes, exactly. Because if you're playing well in the first three, maybe you have a lead and maybe you're taking a knee in the fourth quarter instead of having to push the ball into the end zone in the fourth quarter. Exactly right. And let's be honest. And it's okay to do that. It's all right. If the Ravens receivers don't drop three touchdowns, they're in no position to win that game in the fourth quarter anyway. Also true. And if John Harbaugh knew how to manage scoring points with the most automatic kicker ever to step on the field. By the way, I did the math on all the missed opportunities by the Ravens. Do you know what the score to that game should have been at, at one point in the fourth quarter? Don't tell like, me. Like 37 nothing. Oh, I mean, geez. that's how many opportunities they botched, whether it was going for it on fourth and two or the Ooh. Lamar pick or the, the Aguilar drop was the Aguilar drop for is them. literally was like wide open. <laughs> like something out of a movie. Like if you wrote in a movie script. Man's arms are this wide apart. He does not catch football. They'd be like, oh, come on. That's unrealistic. <laughs> Which, by the way, side note, and then we'll get to the final, is this a thing? Because I know we got to wrap up. Uh, Brooke Pryor was telling me that in a conversation with Rex Ryan the other morning, oh, he, wow. he, he noticed, Rex Ryan noticed that the Ravens were warming up some of their pregame drills with rugby balls for some reason. And so Rex Ryan's theory is that they didn't warm up with properly sized balls. <laughs> and we all know big balls can be a problem sometimes. And so this is already weird coming from Rex Ryan. Just saying. <laughs> mentioned, no, mentioned nothing about toes. Um, so oh Rex Ryan's theory is had they not warmed up with rugby balls pregame, maybe they would have caught some of those footballs that their hands were too far apart because they warmed up with rugby balls. Well, why would they do the rugby that, ball to, to actually stretch out his hand? So yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know why they would do that, Greg. It's a wonderful question, but I'm more here for Rex's odd theory about <laughs> arms being trained to be too far apart because they were using rugby balls instead of footballs. Echolor goes out, and goes, oh man, I thought it was the rugby ball. Oh man, Lamar's balls was too small again. 
Good night, uh, everybody. <laughs> All right. One more. Is this a thing? I'll, I'll, I'll charter this, this boat out of the bay and into the open water. Yeah, it's go. it's a bonus is this a thing because we all mentioned it to each other on our text chain the other day we've seen several people uh, question mike tomlin's clock management towards the end of the game saying even in a win this guy still screws it up because they had to kick the field goal and give the ball back to baltimore I, i'd like to point out at this point that that had nothing to do with clock management they were on the precipice no. of running the clock out but they took a flag because yeah. someone lined up improperly. Yeah. And so that's why they had to kick the field goal. It had nothing. I hate to be the bearer of bad news for those that can't stand Mike Tomlin. And look, I go back and forth on Mike T all the time because he's a Hall of Fame coach, but his recent success has been just not losing more than he wins. He's got to win another yeah. championship for me in order to really fulfill the – everything that some people want to say about him as far as being a great coach. He's been great at times in his career. He just, not a lot of those times have been in the last half decade or so. or decade. I'd argue he does the small things great, but not the big things as great. Okay. That's a fair argument as well. Yeah. I guess. That's this, how I'd categorize it. And, and I've had questions about his clock management in the past too, like not calling yes. timeouts at the end of halves or, you know, wasting challenges that could be later be better used as timeouts. How about but, him but, winning that challenge that he should have lost be, yes. by way of the roll? <laughs> like that was the so most he, confusing so thing. He, that, like, won, he didn't win, but he still keeps what? his timeout. Oh. Like, <laughs> when they said Tomlin's challenge, he was like, "Well, we lost this one," and they're like, "But by roll, but the Steelers do win the challenge." <laughs> And the crazy part was I texted you guys like I, I could like I get the premise of why he challenged it, but I can't see him winning it. And somehow they said he won it without winning it. I'm like, what? What? What just happened? So Mike Then Tomlin, again, that was the theme of the whole game, but still. Yeah. Mike Tomlin is bad at clock management. Is this or let's 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 rephrase it specifically to Sunday's game. Yes. Mike Tomlin blew the clock management at the end of the Ravens game. Is this a thing? Because no, it's in my opinion, nowhere near no. a thing. Specifically to Sunday. No, it's not a thing. And for two reasons. One, if they don't get called for a penalty, they still have the opportunity to kick the field goal to be up by seven points with about, what, eight or nine seconds left in the game? Who says no to that possibility? Let's say they even miss the field goal. They're still up by four points with eight or nine seconds left in the game. Who says no to that possibility? Without the penalty, that's the exact situation that you're looking at. There's no way I'm looking at that as a terrible thing or as a bad decision. Second of all, the second reason why I will say this isn't a thing, did everybody see by now what happened with Miami and Georgia Tech? Oh, my God. Did everybody see what same coach with Miami and Georgia Tech did like five years before that when he was coaching at Oregon? Have you oh. have you seen what he has done throughout the course of the season this year when he has a lead? He just refuses why? to kneel on the ball. Why? No one knows why Mario Cristobal does not kneel on the ball. No one can understand why. But we keep seeing how it costs him games. This is why you kneel on the ball and remove all, all doubt. doubt. Yep. Yeah. It's. I, I just. I, I don't understand. That is all. It, it's. It seems like fishing to me to complain about the way that went down and put it on Mike Tomlin. Like. And then it, if they run the ball and they fumble, it's oh, why did Tomlin have? Why did Tomlin run the, run the ball? Right. Or yeah. more. More than likely, it would be. Oh, I can't believe Matt Canada called that. What a dummy. <laughs> Dunning and um, Kruger send their regards. <laughs> but but you're right. Like they're they're kicking a field goal to go up by seven with what like 10 seconds left. Actually, they were so close at that point 
that they could have taken a delay of game if they even wanted right. to. Now, they wouldn't have because you don't want right. to make the kick for Boswell any harder. But to be quite honest, a 47-yarder, I don't think, is not going to be any harder. Uh, or he ended up kicking 42. It would have been well, a 42. For, this, for the second most reliable kicker in the league? Yeah. I, I, I So, yeah, Mike Tomlin didn't screw up there. I mean, I'm more, if he, no. I'm more if he had, we'd say he did. I am with Tomlin. I mean, I'm not annoyed with yes. Tomlin at all there, but I'm annoyed with Jukes well, for taking I, a penalty like that. Right. Well, right. I, and I'm, I'm more annoyed I'm, with the guys on the field. Yes, I'm annoyed with whoever was supposed to line up covering Chooks on exactly. the end of the formation and failed to do so. That's exactly. the person that you want to be mad at if you want to be irrationally mad at someone for something late in the game. And it would anyway. be rational. And then it, you're right. It would be rational and make some sense. So that's been our first edition of Is This a Thing since week one. Yeah, sorry. I had to check the calendar. It's there. our October edition. Yes, it's our bi-week edition. And yes. we'll have a, another bi-week edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City at some point later in the week. Uh, perhaps we'll take a look ahead, early look ahead to the Rams. Maybe we'll just make some picks for some weekend games. Whatever we do, we'll be here. We'll definitely, well... Back Canada is going to talk on Wednesday. We might have to break that down at some point. That could get interesting. But for our producer, Greg Finley, for Josh Taylor, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to follow. Be sure to like. Be sure to comment, rate, review, all of it. I'm Chris Mack. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Fourth Down in Steel City.